Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Furry Vengeance. With special guests Adam Campbell and Taylor Hendrick. Let's get it furry in here. Let's get it furry and hot. Nice. That's uh, that's we are recording. (laughs) Good. Um, yeah. What? I just realized this is going to be a problem. Yeah, stop (laughs) chewing hubba bubba. We are live on air. We are live on air. We're not live. We'll do it live. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the episode on furry vengeance, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our episode last week on extraordinary measures. (laughs) I'm sure we had a spirited conversation. With Harrison Ford. Our yes. first Harrison Ford uh, movie we ever covered. Uh, extraordinary. Uh, that was supposed to be Harrison Ford. Oh, it's and extraordinary. when things happen yeah. out of extraordinary measures, you tend to want to take vengeance. Furry vengeance. Fur. You can tell how much we're going to struggle with this because of how sweaty this intro is. <laughs> <laughs> we can't figure out how to get to the fucking point here, and it's minute one. We're here to talk about the movie Furry Vengeance. Yes, uh, we're joined by returning guest Adam Campbell and first-time guest Taylor Hentrop. Well, hello, hello there. Uh, so first and foremost, I just want to dive right into this, Adam. When I opened my uh, Messenger app to send you the link to log into this, the first, the last message you and I exchanged through Facebook Messenger was May thirteenth of twenty twenty-two, almost a year to the day, a y- twelve days shy of a year. Wow. And I messaged you, Adam, I have put you and Taylor down for Furry Vengeance and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Godspeed, gentlemen. You have made your beds, and now you shall lie in them. Wow. A Did year we... after the fact, <laughs> we are now it... here to talk about it. It feels like yesterday. Adam, <laughs> did you pitch those to me? Or is that just what was available? Um, no, I... Uh, Did you choose those? I, I said, Taylor, do you want to be on a Brendan Fraser podcast? And you said... Only if we're doing Mummy 3 and Furry Vengeance that's, or something that's, along those lines. I just picked his biggest flops, and I guess <laughs> I guess here I am. And now you're now you're going to live with this decision. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, gentlemen, our, our Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor episode already came out of, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And we obviously, we've already recorded that, of course. And we talked about what your connections to those movies are. Do you guys have any connection Two Furry Vengeance, other than just Jeff picking it on a, a flip of a coin. Have you guys seen this movie before, or is this the first time? I saw the trailers for it year, like when it came out, and I thought it was really embarrassing and funny at that point, and that's my only history with it. Adam? I think Adam may have worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was 25 when that came out. Um, yeah, no, I... Uh... Uh, had no idea this movie existed, and when I heard the title "Furry Vengeance," I legitimately thought it would have to do with furries <laughs> seeking revenge. Um, and it kind of does, in a sense. That's not incorrect. There's a there's a bear furry, and there's a skunk furry, a raccoon furry. There's furries at the end of the movie. Yes, and there men and, in suits. Yeah, just if we're talking about the bare bones description of people in suits and not the extended definition there are technically furries in this movie yes uh, what the hell god jesus christ yeah, <laughs> you are struggling uh 
<laughs> okay, well, so this well, movie... fe- well, fellas, fellas, fellas. Yes. I I first kind of want to know how was extraordinary measures. I want to I'm I'm leading somewhere with Furry Vengeance because I'm pretty sure these these two movies that Furry Vengeance and Extraordinary Measures were his biggest issues in his entire career. He I'm sure you guys have talked about what he's gone through. Yeah. But I have a feeling a lot of the reason why he had a uh, a problem was because he had a flop after flop after flop in the mid to late 2000s and he ended it on a high note with uh Free Vengeance. Now he had that uh that Center of the Earth movie, but that uh that was bad. I think yes. it made money, but he he was kind of this star that sort of was definitely losing his muster. He was already in this movie. You can tell in Furry Vengeance, he's already slowly going into whale mode. So, I, I'm interesting to I'm interested to hear what you have to say on extraordinary measures because I know that was a, a a massive flop for his career. Well, as we talked about in the Mummy episode, uh, that is like sort of the cap off end of his action star role. And so Extraordinary Measures, as well as Furry Vengeance, sort of the, uh, again, as we talked about, sort of the reciprocated um, follow-up to that result of Brendan Fraser is done doing action movies now. Um, Literally, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is his last action film. Like, he is not in any more action movies. He doesn't do anything of that regard anymore. But he has been, like, pitted into this box of the the dumb goofable or dumb goofy i'd say lovable but he's not really lovable in this movie no he's he's the dad dad he's in full dad mode that was the other extraordinary measures thing that we talked about is you know he is very much dad mode why do i'll just quickly do our little context our brendan context corner we usually do well taylor did you have a follow-up point to make with that with that in terms of no i think that he you're correct. He was going exclusive dad roles and he had nowhere left to go. And the other stuff that was happening in his life that kind of piled onto that. And how could you escape the dad roles once they piled on like that? And when he piled on the weight. And it is no accident that like, of, of course he's going to go into dad roles after the, as much as he's been trying in our previous episodes, such as journey to the end of the night, um, and other films of that regard, The Last Time, The Air I Breathe. These are all movies where he's trying to break out of that family comedy mold, like Georgia Jungle, like The Mummy, uh, like Bedazzled. But now he's sort of like, as much as he's he's like kind of, he's like Atlas a little bit. Yeah. Where he's trying, he's pushing the boulder up the hill. That's, and he that's, gets sis- to th- that's, and he gets to the very, that's Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Get your shit together. That's not Atlas. Atlas is the one who's holding the earth. Oh fuck! Sisyphus pushes the boulder up the hill. Okay, Brendan's stronger than Atlas. Right, he's Sisyphus. And so he's doing the Sisyphus thing where he's like pushing the boulder up the hill. And I would say like Journey to the End of the Night, The Air I Breathe, The Last Time. There was like another movie we covered where it's very similar in that regard, where he is like almost over the edge of like he's no longer the family comedy guy. But then the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, and G.I. Joe happen back-to-back, and now the boulder's fallen back down the hill. So he's back to square one, and square one is you're stuck in family comedy mode. Him pushing the boulder up is every movie, and then the boulder rolling back down is the the movie flop, (laughs) which keeps happening. Well, and that. Because where we're at with Brendan um, is basically like, 
he's gotten we're this is the second episode in our uh third era the hollywood exile era yeah as we're calling it um he's not quite exiled yet at this point but this is more or less what leads to that yeah because at this point um he's not a he's not being looked at for um you know dramatic vehicles anymore mm-hmm. he's not being looked at for blockbustery roles anymore um, after everything he did, aside from the Mummy sequels, flopped yeah. in that regard, um, or he was a bit part in it, uh, GI Joe aside. Yeah. Um, and then all of his like non-blockbustery performances gets overshadowed, or it just it never connects. You're the last times like nobody saw that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so where he's at right now, the one-two punch that kind of ends it all is Extraordinary Measures and Furry Vengeance. Taylor, like you'd said. Um, Extraordinary Measures, you know, that was supposed to be him and Harrison Ford both kind of doing a comeback vehicle, um, and it makes half its budget at the box office and gets <laughs> absolutely railed in reviews. Um, this is kind of like his, you know, a failure flop into a different genre. Whereas, like, you had mentioned he's playing the dad rules. That basically all comes out of Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Which is his last, like moderate success yeah uh, with him anchoring it is he does that he plays a dad figure in it mummy tomb of the dragon emperor it's now rick o'connell but as a dad in cart he's a dad gi joe rise of cobra he's barely in it extraordinary measures is a movie about him being a really good dad <laughs> yeah and then this is like what if he was a dad but in a children's comedy a Disney children's comedy. Notice yeah. that I, it is. This is not a Disney movie, but this is the most Disney Channel movie you can get. Yeah, and so this whole thing just really gives the vibe of like retreating in, or I don't want to say retreating, but like falling into something you don't want to be in. Yeah. Like this is the only place he can go now because he can't do his action movies anymore due to his physical, um, you know, how badly injured he was during Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. He needs surgeries. He, like, can't move nearly as well. Uh, and so he can't do the action movies. No one wants to hire him for the dramas because they don't make money. No one wants to hire him for any action movies that aren't The Mummy and because they're not making money either. So he's really, this is his only avenue is I'll play a dad in a children's comedy. A yeah. low-budget children's comedy. A very And it still is going to be a disastrous flop. Yeah. Well, I read that it was a $35 million children's comedy, which I am surprised that it was that much to begin with. I this think is like a $5 million movie. Basically, all that money must have gone to, like, the, the fucking... Uh, the fursuits. Yeah, the fursuits or some bullshit. Because the CGI in this movie, atrocious. <laughs> Very atrocious. I, I do... Yeah, he, 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 he has a lot of... Uh, problems reacting to a lot of the things I notice in this. All the little fake creatures that are flying at him or rushing at him. I, I wouldn't want to be him during this. I'm sure he got a, a hefty paycheck, but he's struggling throughout this whole thing and to react. This is something that this is another one of those rare movies that Jeff and I watched together. <laughs> and we don't do that very often. And this, as well as like a few other movies, I'd say Extraordinary Measures, as we talked about, like he tried in that movie, but in movies in the past, like we talk about Inkheart, which is an episode that came out a few weeks ago, 
where you just see a totally checked out Fraser. Yeah. He is so checked out. He is asleep at the wheel. And this movie, he is doing their, like, it's like that homework assignment where you have, like, you have to have, like, uh, it's like that essay a teacher assigns. You have to have, like, three citations and seven paragraphs, each paragraph, seven sentences. He does the bare minimum. And two <laughs> of his three sources are from Wikipedia. Yeah. Like, he is doing just, like, classic Disney Channel movie dad and nothing more than that. Well, here's the thing is that that is very true. He's like, he definitely, like you get the vibe. He's does not want to be there for this movie. No. Um, but also he's really just letting himself take it in this movie. Yeah. Like he gets put in some, uh, extensive Shitty prosthetics. Uh, they thankfully don't show you him covered in shit, but he gets into some like, um, Interesting costume choices, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. He lets himself get sprayed with a hose uh, multiple did, times. He end, he got covered in shit at some yeah. point? When did, it wasn't on screen, but it's And they didn't the show us that? And when he's in the porta potty and the bear flips it over. Oh, yes. And he's just stuck in a tree for a night. I would have thought he like would have gotten like sores and diseases being there for like 12 hours nearly. He's just hanging out up there. He gets swollen up at one point and heals within like an hour. But another thread we've talked about in the show is Brendan Fraser kind of as a yes man. Yeah. Um, and that's what led to a lot of his injuries is like he's he's notoriously a very nice guy. And agree. We've met people we've met people who've worked with him before and they're all extremely positive about his like work ethic and working with him. That also turns around into that he's very much a yes man who's willing to, you know, if you're like, Hey Brendan, go roll around in that pile of shit and he's like, Yeah, don't worry, I got you, I got you. Like, he'll just do it. He yeah. doesn't want to cause a fuss. He doesn't want to be a diva. And that, I think that very much hurts him in this movie. Yeah. I mean, because they're they're asking him to, like, hey, go stand there, and we're going to spray you in the nuts with a, a water fountain. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, don't worry. I got you. And he's not doing stunts, per se. He's just getting abused. He's just getting a lot of things thrown at him. Yes. He's just making himself look like a fool willingly. Yeah. yeah. He's letting himself look like an idiot, which was a major like plus of him in the early career yeah that like he didn't have to be the stoic hero in the mummy or xyz he would let himself kind of be like the fool the idiot in those but like the one with the heart of gold who could still competently hold himself in an action scene and and jeff i i something i want to comment on um and taylor adam i'm really interested in you seeing what your guys thoughts are in season one of the show we talked about john travolta and we followed the arc of his career and we kept tabs on like what is like um concurring career weaknesses were and are. And one of the things that we said is like Travolta doesn't know what kind of an actor he is and he doesn't let himself be like look like an idiot or a fool on screen. Like Pulp Fiction is like the perfect golden middle where he thinks he's a tough bad guy, but what that movie is really doing is showing him being like a dumb criminal. Like a clown. A clown. That's the genius of that movie. But that being said, like Travolta doesn't get that. And so he's stuck in his ways of being like the leading man. He doesn't take like the supporting roles. He doesn't take the roles that where he's like, you know, not the smart, stoic genius guy yeah and until when he does i'd say like that's why we recently talked about die hard uh it's like the first time travolta <laughs> it's, the, it's first, the first time travolta's ever let himself be the like 
willingly be a fool in an action movie. And it's actually yeah. like his best performance in five. Exactly. Years. But here's my point. Do you think, Jeff, that there is a, it, this is teetering the other way for Fraser. Like Fraser's yeah. overtly making himself look like a fool. Yes. And a joke. And I think that's where it's, this is starting to become a little bit of a weakness. You can't take on, him seriously. Yeah. Now we just can't take him seriously. Yeah. And it isn't until he, pl- he plays like a, a, dead fucking serious role in the whale yeah when it's like holy fuck now he's finally kind of got it and it's like no i'm gonna play a very very seriously earnest role yeah, he has to play into his innate empathy without you know without clowning it yeah um and that that's what it takes him like another 10 years to figure out yeah um but when it comes to this <laughs> this yeah. is not the case right <laughs> uh I do. I, I, want I to think. Talk. Oh, you go oh, first, you Taylor. Go. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Brendan Fraser is at a point in this point in his career where he just needed a job at any point. Yeah. I kind of feel like he would accept a job at Universal Studios, like shaking people's hands all day at this point. That that's kind of the that's kind of how I see him in these movies. Yeah. Like all of these movies at this point were some of them were relative hits, like Mummy and Center of the Earth, but they just feel so cheap and they they feel like films that would be in a like again like a universal studios ride yeah. not actual yeah. movies and i he was cursed at doing that and i i don't know if he was ever signed on to be in journey 2 the but the rock silence. just kind of took his career yeah we we just recently talked about that on our gi joe episode that both gi joe and uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth are movies that get sequels starring The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Adam, where, where where are your thoughts and where Fraser is at his career currently? Um, he didn't uh, see The Whale. Yeah, I have not. Oh, I, I, so currently, sorry, you're saying currently I'm or saying contemporary currently with, in this timeline we're at right now with oh, Furry so, Vengeance. Yeah, contemporary with um, Furry Vengeance. Yeah, um, did he have like a bad divorce or something that he needed yes. to pay for? He okay. His That's, divorce see, is announced month like around the time he signs on to be in this movie. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. it's and it's That's an, exactly where I picture him being. Yeah, and it's and it's not a clean divorce. It's a pretty I we should honestly probably research this a little bit to not like get details wrong, but from what I understand, it was a pretty nasty divorce. Like it and it took like I think two years it was a two-year-long process it was a long process yeah and that and that and this is a few years after you know his sexual assault as well so he's also dealing with that and his physical ailments like the man is in like like the worst few years of his life at this point yeah so fraser around this time in terms of the divorce, it's a essentially seven year long divorce. Shit. Um, Damn. Well, we talked about this a little bit on our like career retrospective episode, uh, so I won't delve too much into it. Yeah. But basically, like in 2007 is when the they sold their home for three million. The divorce is announced December of 2007. Um, he is ordered to pay alimony. By 2011, he announces he cannot afford the alimony anymore. He does not have the the funds to do so. Um, his ex accuses him of hiding financial assets, in part due to this movie. Hmm. She says he's hiding financial assets because he made a profit on furry, furry vengeance. Vengeance. Um, oh, God. Several years later, um, the court 
um, rules against both of them and says to her that he's not hiding anything and to him that he cannot have his alimony reduced. Um, it's it's very, very messy. Yeah. Um, and so he's in the midst of that as this movie's getting made. And I do want to talk a little bit about the making of this movie because there is actually a f- interesting story to how this movie gets made. Oh. Oh. Um, well, less interesting and more just like, you can it's the, it's how long movies take to make in Hollywood that makes it interesting. Was well, this movie like developed since like 2000? This movie is developed since 2004. Oh my god. This movie is originally developed as the first Steve Carell movie. Oh. This is What de- is the first Steve Carell movie? Is it Evan Almighty? I believe Evan Almighty version? is the first like headliner. Isn't it? Oh, I, I think Stuart's right. 40 I think 40-year-old virgin. 40 year old virgin. Yes. Oh, no, you're right. It's it's 40-year-old virgin. Because he's in, you know, your Anchorman's and your Bruce Almighty's and whatnot. But in... Oh, shit. He's in Over the Hedge, isn't he? Um, <laughs> that's... He's a squirrel. Of, yeah, he's the squirrel in Over the Hedge. Uh, but 40-year-old version is the first Steve Carell vehicle. This is originally designed as the first Steve Carell vehicle. Is that this is going to be the movie that launches him into the mainstream. Would have started strong. Uh, imagine if Steve Carell just never worked again. Because this is his first movie. <laughs> Um, he, but obviously, you know, better things come up for Carell and the movie just kind of gets, you know, launched into turnaround. Um, a few years later, it's announced that Samuel L. Jackson has taken over the role <laughs> instead of Steve Carell. Whoa. Um, once again, nothing happens. It just never gets made. In 2009, uh, Fraser and the director, Roger Cumble are announced at the same time to be working on this movie. Uh, Cumble is a weird guy because he does Cruel Intentions. Um, which kind of, you know, makes a bit of a stir when it comes out. And then he just never does anything of note again. Because it's like, the only other movie I recognize that he did is College Road Trip, just because that was a Martin Lawrence, Raven Simone double-hander I saw ads for back in the day. Uh, he just seems like a for-hire guy then. Yeah, he's the, the, yeah. he's like a lower-level journeyman. Um, yeah. Um, if there is such a thing. This movie is the first thing that's made in a $250 million deal between Participant and Summit Medias. <laughs> it does not go well for them. Um, but that's the... Uh, but Fraser signs on with Cumble. Uh, Cumble's the one who comes up with the idea of the animals not speaking. Originally, this movie was a talking animal movie. There are allegations that Over the Hedge stole ideas from this movie... And vice versa, when this comes out, a lot of people say it's just a ripoff of Over the Hedge. Well, they don't talk. They most certainly do not talk. Um, Roger Cumble must have felt like a fucking genius when he came up with that <laughs> idea. <laughs> He's probably... They raise their little CGI eyebrows. <laughs> they do. They do. And they have the the like After Effects speech bubbles. Yeah, the thought yeah. bubbles or whatever. That, yeah. That's the, the weirdest yeah. thing. Because they're all about historical things, too. Like, yeah. apparently raccoons are very knowledgeable about the battle strategies of World War II. Because that's yeah. what they were demonstrating. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, uh, Dick Van Dyke is announced to be in this movie and then never pops up. <laughs> I don't know if he showed up. So like, I'm not doing this. He got paid, refused to show up. Yeah, that would honestly be a power move. I would, I would have nothing but respect for him. <laughs> Uh, that's all I have in terms of context. Do we want to dive into the plot, or does anyone have anything else to add? What plot? Sorry. Yeah, we. Can... I, I I saw the funny thing on IMDb that said 
uh, Frazier has come to uh, hate this role or something. It's yeah. one of the highest pieces of trivia on this, and it's I, I don't I've never heard him say anything outwardly about it, but I don't know. Kind of yeah. seems this, like a career killer. This reads like a movie where if you asked him during like a press junket of like a newer movie, he'd be like, "Oh my god, that movie that was so yeah. bad." I mean, it very much feels like, you know, in the press tour for The Whale, he's been talking a lot about, like, you know, issues with weight and, like, being seen as a joke because of it. And, like, 50% of the jokes in this movie are, like, look, Brendan Fraser is fat now. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably a bit of shame on his end that he kind of, you know, belt went into that. Well, and this movie, so it was this, and then Extraordinary Measures before that, and then I'm just trying to check because, like, this is um, a few. This is only like two movies away from GI Joe, uh, Rise of Cobra, where he's yeah. still kind of like in his like mummy fit, sort of. Well, yeah, it, like we talked about on the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor episode, like he does not look well in that movie. He kind of looks like unnaturally fit. Yeah, like he it's like de- like a dehydrated weight loss. Yeah. Where, yeah, it's a different kind of weight loss that looks gro- ugly. Fraser does credit the porta potty scene in this movie for his decision to take a step back and kind of reevaluate his career. I would too. <laughs> After watching that scene, um, I certainly would too. I do want to also say one other thing about IMDb trivia that's fun. Um, According to IMDb Trivia, this is the second film in which Brendan Fraser's character loses his pants comically after Looney Tunes <laughs> back in action. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like that someone took the time to write that. Weeping. Um, I, I think Brendan could have easily... I, I wouldn't think of him as a joke. Because at this point, I remember when this movie came out, and I was like, I'm not going to see that. Yeah. I, I'm not into this. But I loved him. I adored The Mummy and other films. And... I think it's perfectly okay to have this this dad look at this yeah. point in your career. It's perfectly okay. It's just that it never really was followed up the way that it could have. I don't really think he had a choice, truly. Yeah. But if things worked out for him, I think it would have been perfectly okay to have this this dad look. I don't think he needed to be the buff guy. Because as you said, in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, he looked like someone physically molded him into that yeah. state. It looked like he wasn't doing it himself because he wanted to. Yeah, and and I think the shame for him more would come in the fact that he kind of played in instead of just letting himself like, you know, be a, a slightly bigger guy, he kind of plays into like, "Ah, oh, I'm fat. It's funny in this movie. Look, I'm wearing a skin-tight yum-yum uh outfit." He looks fine for his age. Yeah, he'll, but no, in he terms looks of fine. Yeah. In terms of Hollywood guys, we've seen him before and it's just I don't think the mighty have fallen. I think he looks normal mm-hmm. as a middle-aged guy. But, yeah, no, they make fun of him. They yeah. play into it. I think that, I that's bad. the problem inherently. And I'm sure that didn't help his self-esteem uh, just as much as it uh... – this episode is a little sad. <laughs> this is gonna be, this Watching is... this movie was a little sad. <laughs> like... When you made us watch Mummy and this, I was very excited to watch this. <laughs> I saw I saw Mummy in theaters, Mummy 3. I hated it. Yeah. I, I I despised it. I was pissed off. Well, and as we talked about when we uh, recorded the Mummy episode, that Mummy is more of a frustrating movie for me than anything yeah. else. 
but we, anyway. Mummy is frustrating. This is just sad. It's frustrating. It's sad, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, the plot. The plot. The furry plot of furry vengeance. vengeance. <laughs> uh, before we, Ad, Adam, you've been, you've, been, you've been a little quiet, baby. What what thoughts do you have? What, what, like, um, just what like going in and all the context and pretext and everything. Uh, honestly, I thought wouldn't have been that bad if they didn't have um, bad CGI and the uh, the thought bubbles. I mean, I, I like the thought bubbles, Adam. Yeah, I think yeah. it. I added character. It needed character, and it got something. It's like ever so slightly a little bit of something. If you want your thirty-five million dollar movie to look like it was made on one million, you add the thought bubbles, and <laughs> it worked perfectly. And that's how Brendan was able to hide his money from uh, his ex-wife <laughs> with the thought bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so the way this movie starts is uh, with Rob Riggle yeah. uh, playing a character named Riggs. Because I guess he just didn't want to have to learn the name of a new character he's playing. Sounds um, like a dog name. Is is the idea that he's the original, um, like Fraser in this movie? Well, I thought they said that he scouted the housing edition that Fraser is in charge of developing, and he was on his way back when he was talking to, uh. Uh, Ken Jong. Ken Jong, and he was saying like he's gonna take over operations. Okay. He was gonna take over like the housing development from from Fraser. From, from Fraser. Okay. But then that's when... how did the animals know that? Because they just immediately start trying to kill him. <laughs> the animals are supernatural. Sen- they're sentient. They are <laughs> extremely smart in this movie. They're so smart. That they have are, seen Braveheart. They, they've seen Braveheart. <laughs> they've researched and studied World War II tactics, and they can get away with murder because they murder this guy. They straight up murder him. They crush him with a big rock and <laughs> no, throw him off a cliff, and no yeah. one sees him ever again. They don't find <laughs> any evidence. He's just gone. We don't know what happened. Maybe he's just lost in the woods. Like who? But no, he's. He's dead. I'm- I I love Rob Riggle as one of those you know comedic actors who just pops up in a movie for one scene, lets some absolutely terrible fucking thing happen to him, and then is never seen again. Well, he's always popping up as like the hyper toxic macho male. Yeah, and something that like is like the butt of the joke, kind of. Because that's him in Set Brothers. Yeah. Um, the other guys, Twenty One Jump Street, Dumb and Dumber Two. Uh, where he plays a like a pirate captain. That's oh god, yeah. He played. He like takes over the Mike Star role. Yeah, in the first one, and he just plays that guy again, and he gets farted on and dies as well. <laughs> no, what happens to him in Dumb and Dumber Two is he takes the Mike Star role. He dies halfway through the movie. Then they introduce his twin brother, who comes in oh. for the second half. <laughs> I also forgot that movie and got mad when I saw it in theaters. Dumb and Dumber Two is so bad. Um, Never saw it. Don't. If you like Dumb and Dumber, don't watch. Dumb Did you ever Dumber see it, Adam? I have not ever seen it. No. Have you seen he Dumb will. Number one. Yeah, Taylor will probably make me watch it tonight. He he's seen Dumb and Dumber one because of me. Uh, I met the guy in the uh, in the uh, the phone booth scene in Dumb and Dumber one. Mike Star party. Who? The one that Mike Stark like punches to death. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> My, I love Mike Star. I'm a big Mike mm-hmm. Star guy. 
Well, I think he could have elevated Furry Vengeance plenty. Oh uh, I I forget the actor's name, but the guy who kind of plays the pest pest control yeah. man that shows up throughout Furry Vengeance. I like him. However, a Mike Starr guy. I mean, Patricia O'Neill and uh, the other guy. The the they, it's a bunch of New York comics that could have showed up, even though it's supposed to take place in Oregon. This is clearly like some like East Coast, like like Massachusetts looking area. If they had all these New York guys come in, Mike Starr, the cast of The Sopranos that are still alive at this point, <laughs> that would have been interesting. They could have had Tony Lip in there. Yep. So the, I want to quickly Mike Starr corner real quick. I love Mike Starr. Mike Starr plays the heavy in Dumb and Dumber. He's the studio executive in Ed Wood, um, amongst many other things. Um, recently, I discovered that someone I work with worked on a movie called Asso Buco. Um, it was a independent uh, film made in Chicago. I recently came into possession of a DVD copy of Asso Buco. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty interesting... Which seemingly, I think 300 people on Letterboxd have seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the tagline is that, or the the pitch is that a bunch of Italian mobsters get trapped in an Italian restaurant during a snowstorm <laughs> with their dates, and that's the that's, that's the plot. It's just them aing and owing, and yes, the uh, the tagline is it's not just about the veal. Uh oh! <laughs> wow. Uh, I haven't yet watched this movie, but I do now have a DVD of it because I was so entertained by the Mike star of it all. Uh, Sir Brendan kind of stars in films a bit like that, quite like immediately after Free Vengeance. He does have like a career that we don't see much of, a lot of direct-to-video stuff. Yeah, it's very and... similar to the Travolta run that we had. Um, your your uh, standoffs, A Case of You, Hairbrain, Pawn Shop Chronicles. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it works for Mike Starr because he is he's never been a big star, but he's definitely a performer well, that well, Mike you see him, you Mike Starr him. is most certainly a big star. <laughs> like He's a, a big, big guy, and his name is Starr. Like, let's not... It's not split hairs uh, here. He, he's never the lead. Yeah, and I, there's definitely a difference between like Brendan doing it and Mike Starr doing it. It's I don't know if you would call it sad. I I don't like to consider things like that sad. Uh, a man's got to work, but I'm putting it out there. Uh, yeah, this very well could have been some direct-to-video thing, but seems like one of the last major yeah, this is theatrical things he his did. His last major theatrical release um, for a decent bit. Mm-hmm. I think the next one we're going to get that's big theatrical is maybe Gimme Shelter. And that's not like necessarily a big release, but it does get put out. Um, I think he plays a squirrel in The Nut Job. He does. The Nut Job is his last movie for five years until he comes <laughs> back in 2019. Uh Drove him nuts. <laughs> hey. You had to say it. Had to say mm-hmm. it. Uh, so Rob Riggle's dead in so, a ditch. So, they, so the animals murder rigs. Yes. Um, we're now introduced to, we basically got introduced right away to Fraser, right? Yeah. it's We're in the neighborhood edition. Um, I'm just calling it a neighborhood edition because I don't know how to subscribe. Like it's just they're like, like building a development. Yeah, building a development. His house is fully built, and they're building other houses. And classic suburban dad look, wearing the bathrobe, stepping out. 
He sees a squirrel eating one of his berries. He says, Shh, get to He's the squirrel. A, and he sprays it with a sprays little garden sprinkler. And he works for this real estate company that is says it's a green, environment-friendly company that is not. Um, because we learn later that they want to expand this development to like basically tear down the entire forest. Yeah, they want to tear down the whole forest. Yeah, to build more um, static homes. Yeah, Brendan's pulling a uh, a Bluth family and living in the model home of this neighborhood. Yeah. Um, we meet his family. Uh, the kid's name is Tyler, played by Matt. Prokop, who, as we learn, is one of the uh, best up-and-coming stars in Hollywood (laughs) via his IMDb profile. He hasn't worked since 2013. I know the comeback's coming, folks. (laughs) It's in route. He'll Uh, get his whale. He'll get the the Matt Prokop whale. (laughs) Be called, like, the minnow or something. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And Brooke Shields as his wife. There's a lot of, like, Disney Channel adjacent you know casting in this yeah you're um brooke shields main being the main one uh she plays hannah montana's mom apparently in hannah montana a great show a phenomenal show Uh, i've never seen a single episode of hannah montana (laughs) disney classic (laughs) can johnny channel the only show on disney channel i ever watched did you just put it on because you were bored? Um, uh, there were there were a lot of reasons I put it on. You uh, were into the, it. The, bro- the brother did a great uh, Ozzy Osbourne impression, and I always really enjoyed that. Oh, so you wanted to see him keep doing that? <laughs> yeah, and I just kept the show on, hoping he would do another Ozzy Osbourne impression. And did he? Uh, he did it like twice. And Adam watched three seasons of this show, waiting for more Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> impressions. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's his family. They're not happy that they're living in Rocky Springs now. They miss Chicago. Um, but he's li- A sentence I've never heard before <laughs> in my life. <laughs> uh, I miss Chicago a little bit. Yeah, but uh, would you rather live in Rocky Springs or Chicago? Because this um, place looked beautiful. Yeah, this it, looks it, like it a gorgeous beautiful. town to live in. This, this, little, this little shit kid complaining and moaning. I guess he misses his friends, but I don't really think he had many to begin with. He's got a Bieber cut. Yeah, exactly. He had no friends. If you have a yeah. Bieber cut, you don't have friends. He ha- he makes no friends in Rocky Springs, which I think says a lot about his character. Oh, he gets a oh. girlfriend. Later, but he at the beginning, he's just like, I don't have any friends. <laughs> it's like, boy, you couldn't make a friend, in a, at least an acquaintance, by this point. And it's not until he like makes the the one that he's finally like has any sort of connection with another human being. His activist girlfriend. Yeah, his activist girlfriend who leads uh the family into bankruptcy. <laughs> uh, um like on, like this is gonna be a very quick plot summary because it's basically like he just starts getting attacked by animals and fifty minutes go by of this. Yeah, they 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 introduce some bit characters here and there but for the most part it's brendan his family his boss that tells him to we need to tear everything apart start working the animals figure that out and they slowly but surely start like pantsing him making him fall over beating him up all sorts of uh, silly willy shenanigans exactly um again they have 
New York comedians, Patrice O'Neill and Jim Norton. I'm still on this because <laughs> these were some of the most popular guys at the time. Does Patrice, this is have Patrice O'Neill in this movie? No, neither of them do. He dies a year after this movie comes out. Correct. It's terrible. Uh, well, I mean, he got his money, I think, sort of. <laughs> well, he didn't. He didn't get his uh, SAG card because he didn't have a line. But it's so weird that Patrice is in this movie. <laughs> the the mom gets a job as well. She has to. I don't know what her job in Chicago was, but she starts like teaching at the local school. She starts and they teaching make... science. Okay, okay, and they have the the librarian from Ghostbusters is like the the old woman that they constantly make fun of for how old and yeah, Alice uh, Drummond, forgetful she is, who yep. also dies like very shortly after this movie comes yeah. out. Definitely um, movie, but she and she and the and the wife Brooke Shield she gets uh, charged with the task of putting on the Forest Festival, festival. um, <laughs> a festival about the forest. Also known as Midsummer, yeah. a much better movie. <laughs> while while she's getting damned with this job, Fraser goes to meet his boss, um, Ken Jong, at an airstrip. Yeah, I just want to quickly say: Is there anyone with a more curse like movie run than Ken Jong at this time? Because he his big breaks The Hangover, and then he gets Community off of that. Yeah. He's great in Community. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, as he's doing Community, his run is like The Hangover sequels, Furry Vengeance. Um, a bunch of movies I've never heard of. Zookeeper, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. That's right. I think most of those got a profit outside of this. I'm pretty sure all of those made money. So they you know made what? money. Deep Wang. He, he does play Deep <laughs> Wang. You know, tra- have you seen Transformers, Dark of the Moon, Taylor? Adam? I have. Have you seen it recently? I know he points guns at the screen, and he's yes. supposed to be funny. He, like... Tackles Shia LaBeouf into a stall in the bathroom and introduces himself. Takes off his pants. Don't and, forget yeah, that. Yeah, takes off his pants and introduces himself as a as a Decepticon like um, whistleblower. Truther. Yeah. No whistleblower because he says, "I'm not." You remember Deep Throat? I'm Deep Wang. Um, <laughs> he says, "I'm Deep Wang." Take True Bayhem. And he like takes a bunch of paperwork out of his underwear and gives it to Shia LaBeouf, and then he gets knocked out a window by a transformer and dies. Well, I'll say that has energy. <laughs> There's that's maybe his best performance in this run. He's he's trying his best. There's energy involved with that. Furry vengeance. Everybody's just kind of sitting down. They're stagnant. And hanging out. Except for Brendan, who's falling over and getting beaten up. Yeah. Brendan's just getting abused while everyone else showed up and got their paycheck and probably worked a SAG minimum. <laughs> it, apparently Brendan never worked with any of the animals. Uh, a lot of the shenanigans are just uh, insert shots of an actual raccoon or a bear just like wandering around and it cuts to Brendan running away or getting mad and that's how they elicit it, any emotion from him. It is uh, a little funny how there are like no wide shots with that show both Brendan and an animal together. And if they do, it's the worst fucking composite work I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is Birdemic. Uh, uh, oh energy. my God. The vulture at the airstrip. I said the same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like just float. It's like in like a static spot. I don't know if you've ever seen a bird fly before, but that's not how it works. <laughs> Most of the movie is. Uh, I- I was confused about that whole section because Brendan has to... So at that point in the movie, 
the animals throw Brendan's clothes away, and he needs to wear his wife's uh, juicy track shoot, the pink thing that shows his uh, butt off. He has to meet up with his boss, Ken Jeong, yeah. to talk about something going on with the, with the development. And I, I don't understand why he needed to go there if he, like, once he gets to the strip, uh, the, he just they, sleeps in the he car. Just call, he just sleeps in the car and he call, does the call with him. He could have just done everything at home. It, a lot of they they just need to like get Brendan into these situations where he falls over and get beaten up. It's very sweaty how they put him in these situations. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, there's a crow on my window. I'm gonna climb out onto the roof and get it." I don't. Uh, I also don't understand why he gets so annoyed at sounds everything starts with him just hearing like bird sounds at night and just little animal things that annoy him I, in chicago i'm sure he's living in the suburbs but you would also hear like sirens birds. and or, or sirens people. yeah you'd also hear stuff wherever he was living there and he, he just gets uh, so furious at these creatures <laughs> yeah if i don't burn the whole forest <laughs> Well, and so that would have been interesting. I, I mean, and at this point, like, we can, like, just, I mean, like, we can't, we could probably just, like, list off prank after prank, but the bulk of the rest of the 50 minutes is more pranks ensue and shit happens. We're introduced to the Toby Huss character, who's like the, the park, who's like a park security. security, he's a security guy for the company. He's one of the actually redeeming characters of this film. Yeah, he's funny. He's doing, like, an Ed Harris. Um, impression is what I is the vibe I got from him. He's like trying to do military Ed Harris. Yeah. Um, do you remember the moment when he arrived and Brooke Shields was standing in front of his car door and he just opens the car door yes. aggressively and pushes her aside? <laughs> that yes. was the only part that made me kind of chuckle because of how egregiously mean he was to her. Do you guys remember the part where Fraser stumbles out of the porta potty and Toby Huss shows up? And he's in Fraser sees a raccoon. He runs away. Then the camera cuts back to the son and the mom, and they're watching him run away. And then Toby Huss spruits out from like the between them and oh, yeah. pops up. <laughs> it's like it's not like he walks in the frame. No, he was crouching down right behind them, and then just stood back up. <laughs> it's like weird cartoon logic that doesn't quite work in this movie where they're. Because the thing about this movie is it's stuck between, like, trying to be cartoony um, with all the animals and, like, you know, the speech bubbles and shit like that. But then the rest of the movie is, like, weirdly grounded. Yeah. They they were desperately looking for any form of energy yeah. in the movie. I think they could have easily have gotten to introduce how the animals interact with one another and speak with one another without speech bubbles. Yeah. The, the, if they were creative or if they cared, they could have done a multitude of different things, especially with all these little puppets they have and the option to CGI their eyebrows up and down to elicit like speaking with one another. If the animals they just spoke, got lazy. If the animals spoke and you hired fun actors to portray them, that's of benefit to this movie, I feel like. No, them no. That's 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 the worst route you could go, I think. <laughs> this talking animals, you know, I prefer the speech bubbles of the talking animals. Like at least then the like because those scenes where you're just watching a bunch of animals are <laughs> it's like speech bubbles appear. <laughs> I'm like, great, cool, whatever. And I don't want to see a movie about talking animals. There are too many of them, but at least then there's like something to follow. 
There's like an energy to it. You know what would have been better entirely instead of well, this movie just doesn't get made. Situations. Well, have the family dog character go through all of the situations that Sir Brendan has to. I think having a Beethoven-esque character of the family dog, or maybe maybe Brendan gets a dog because he needs to have it kill all the raccoons and squirrels that are running around his property, gets a dog, and it almost treated like the like the Christopher Walken role in Mouse Trap or Mouse Hunt, uh, or just have it go through these situations with with the animals, and you could have some creative in things going on. Like, it gets scared by the bear, or it fights the bear, or maybe I'm just going off into nowhere land, but I think... <laughs> I, I I feel bad for Brendan. Anything that isn't just watching Brendan like fall down hills for ninety minutes, um, is yeah, a like, benefit let to this movie. Um, some I'm, I'm uh, trying to think. Uh, like, eventually, what happens is like we, we he... do. I do want to make a. I want to get angry about something. Uh-oh. When he's at the airstrip, and he gets like dive bombed by a bunch of birds, right before they hit him, he turns to the camera and he goes, "Oh dear." And then he gets like pooped on, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and here's the thing: that's such a good joke. If a deer attacks him, all he needs to do is you have a deer run at him. He goes, turns and goes, "Oh dear!" And then he gets hit by a deer, and he gets impaled. That's so <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> obvious. Why is it? Why does he go, "Oh dear!" And then a bird poops on him? Like there's no there's no joke there. Well, why why do the animals have such a high amount of knowledge of how? humans develop properties how do they they've seen braveheart so you can presume they've seen other movies um you you can infer they've seen a lot of movies about real estate they've probably seen over the hedge they probably know how this goes i don't want to skip ahead too far but i do think the most interesting part of the movie was the lore aspects of (laughs) why and how the animals do what they do so throughout the film, it's just Brendan getting beaten up and him being progressively called crazier and crazier by his family and his boss. <laughs> Everybody his thinks family. he's insane. Everybody thinks he's insane. But then like his son comes out of nowhere and explains the lore of this small town that they live in. And that's just all the the small animals that live in the forest have been doing this for thousands of years. Yeah, fighting well, off human, maybe millions of years, fighting off humans and all sorts of other things uh, approaching their land. Yeah, and we get this weird, like, m- flashback montage starting with Brendan doing a George of the Jungle again. Exactly. It's just disrespectful. Um, and he just goes, Ooh, as he gets attacked by a squirrel. And then. And also, it's like, it's supposed to be West Coast, right? It's Oregon. Yeah, and he's a white caveman. A white caveman. Oh, shut up! No, he's a white. He's a white caveman, and then he's a Viking. Yeah, which would have been everywhere. How did the Vikings get to Oregon? Is what I want to yeah. know. Yeah, um, and they then supposedly made it to Canada, but so he's um, and then he is Jedediah the Puritan. Um, Which the Puritans never made it to Oregon. But. Yeah, the Puritans didn't make it that far. And then he's Terrence. The- if you set this in Massachusetts where they filmed the movie, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then Terrence the hippie. Um, and they all got attacked by animals. 
And they're all played by Brendan. Yes, and they're all played by Brendan. And it's the same raccoon too. The raccoon is immortal. Yeah, it's an immortal and being. Has lived for millions. No, it's of a years. dynasty. Remember how we talked about the uh, the dynasty in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? It's a similar vibe with this <laughs> raccoon. Wow. Um, yeah, I think honestly we're we're basically at like the the climax. If we unless we want to go through every bit and no. rank them, that's I, which well, I think is defeating. <laughs> is there any bit that you all? find interesting are are there any of those bits that you yourself would say no i'm not going to do that did brendan go too far with any of them brendan went too far i would say a decent majority of one yeah the toilet if the toilet one fully caused him to reevaluate his career um (laughs) i think that's maybe the one the one other scene i want to talk about before like you know the the climactic scene at the forest festival is the wallace sean bit because oh, the yeah. second Wallace Shawn comes in this movie, I'm like, hmm, is this movie good? Yeah. Because this movie um, has a lot of puppets in it. And the thing about Wallace Shawn is he is basically a human Muppet. Like, he has the face of one of those old guys who, like, sits in the rafters and makes fun of Fozzie Bear. Um, and then he has the voice of, like, some background supporting Muppet. So he just walks in. He's, like, sitting in the office as Brendan comes in. He's like... Uh, hey! No, that's that's a Gilbert Gottfried. Um, I got to figure out my, my wall of Sean. Is that You're it? There. Is that it? You're getting there. Closer, yeah. he, he's, he's like, he's the animals aren't therapist. real. The animals aren't real. You're just imagining it. Yeah, that's good. Um, come in. That's Gilbert Gottfried. No, that's um, that's a master builder. Uh, wall of Sean's finest hour. <laughs> it's like a two-hour movie by Jonathan Demi where it's just, just Wallace Shawn walking around in a stupor talking about his uh, his uh, days as an architect. <laughs> nice. Uh, are we at the point where they capture all the animals and the festival happens? I think we are. I mean, is there any, like... This will be... This will be a much shorter episode than our mummy episode was. Well, throughout the throughout the movie, Brendan gets put in these situations where the animals yeah. do attempt to kill him. And by the end of the movie, obviously, you need to have him have a change of heart. But do you think there is any possibility that a, a family-friendly movie like this could end in the animals' deaths? Is there a way that you could... <laughs> You could make that a family friendly ending. <laughs> Absolutely no way. But you know There's what? There's gotta be a way. I would watch that fucking movie. Where they're like treated like villains. At the and be- they all they have like cartoon like movie deaths where they like fall off a cliff so you don't see them Oh, I was thinking just that when they get all put in those boxes and cages in the middle of the forest, that Riggs comes back, lights a cigar, and does start a forest fire. At the beginning of this movie when they push Rob Riggle off the cliff, I was like, for a second I thought, oh wait, is this like actually like an R-rated parody of a children's movie? Is that the bit? Like, I I didn't know anything about this movie. I wasn't sure if that was the idea. Then I quickly learned, no, it's just a kid's movie with one, like, violent death scene. Do you guys remember when this came out? Do you remember the trailers and how, like, I embarrassing bless- this I was? I blessedly do not. Yeah, I do. This was... I was surprised in my young age, and... Yeah, it, then it disappeared from my life until you brought it to me. And you, you know you're what? Welcome. You're fucking Thank welcome. You. <laughs> Thank you. So they capture all the animals, uh, put them in boxes, the security forces do. 
then a festival's about to happen. And meanwhile, his son is with this girl who's another, like, uh, like, uh, I don't know. She's played by Skylar Samuels. She She's like a, a forest preserver person. A classic teenage she's, girl activist. Activist, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Outdoors. Boys activist. don't care about the environment until they're interested in the girl who does. Yeah. She's one of those global warming type people. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so she, so they, they're like, this is what, like when Jeff and I are watching this and their scenes are popping, I'm like, oh my God, are they going to try to force down our throats a, a teen romance subplot? About the environment. And, and Jeff is like, you damn right they are. Uh, <laughs> this, so, uh, this romance comes to a head at the festival with maybe the best line in the movie. Well, what's the best line? Well, they they have a little bit of a breakup because his dad is supporting, you know, the forest development. Yeah. And when he sees her at the festival, he comes out and he's like, "Oh!" And he's yeah. like, "Hey." Um. Well, because he's like, "What?" Because she she's at the festival with a megaphone preaching, like, "Sign the petition to save the forest." And he's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Gandhi says." Be the change you want to see in the world. And he says, well, Gandhi didn't say don't return any of my calls. No, he said, did Gandhi ever talk about not returning my phone calls? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, he did. And at that point, uh, he is actually brought up onto the stage and summarily executed for his (laughs) sins. (laughs) He's strung up from the tree. But, yeah, so Fraser uh, believes, like, oh, like, we're just going to relocate the animals. But then he goes out to where the animals are being kept, has a heart-to-heart with the raccoon that's been torturing him. And he realizes the raccoon has baby raccoons. And he's like, oh, you're just trying to help your family. Of course, they it, they all have families, most likely, but they're but they're killing people. Right. They're all so at what, evil At animals. what point do we, like, how far did they need to go? Well, in Taylor, order for him not to have a change. What of you heart. didn't see in Furry Vengeance Two is a Uh-oh. war it sparks between the people of Rocky Springs and the animals, and the fires spread beyond the reaches of the entire world. That um, seems like a Larry the Cable Guy directed video <laughs> that comes out twenty years after the original. Yeah, honestly, one day we should do a podcast about sequels to comedies that come out twenty years down the line. Direct to starring Larry the Cable Guy. Oh my god, it's always Larry. Um, and so oh, dang em. the the so Fraser at this point, uh, he they go to the festival, and that's when he finds out that they're actually going to kill the animals. And Ken Jong has like his business partner. Um, they're about to sign the deal to like build on to the development. So then Fraser pulls a Lost World Jurassic Park move, where like uh, Ian Malcolm did, where he goes into where the dinosaurs are caged and unlocks them, and they wreak havoc on the engines video conference call. He goes to where the animals are being kept in the forest preserve, unlocks and unleashes Hellfire on the festival. Yes. So the animals have a meeting, and they decide they're going to Braveheart. They're going to Braveheart World War II Normandy D-Day. There's a clip festival. of Mel Gibson. Yes. Who I'm sure now gets like a $2 royalty check every five years from this movie. Yeah. Um, and so so Fraser, they all go back to the festival, um, and they – this is like a – you and whose army sort of situation kind of only in this sense it's like the animals show up yeah um 
So I all... kind of stopped paying attention at this point when they, when people start getting sprayed with skunks and <laughs> I, I I just started like talking to Adam about something else or another. But I, all I all I remember is that I think Angela from The Office, who is also in this, yeah, or what's her name? Uh, her... She dies or something. <laughs> she she gets, she gets a skunk carbon monoxide and poisoning. She gets poisoned the upon. Her. Uh, quick pop quiz, Adam. What was Taylor talking to you about? It was about Chinese companies buying up land in the United States. <laughs> nice. I think that's what the movie was trying to talk about, but I, I, I was like, Adam, you're crazy. <laughs> it was him bringing it up to me. <laughs> so, Taylor, I don't know if you know this, but Adam has a little bit of a reputation on this show. Of being, like, really talkative? and No. <laughs> well, kind of. No, so, like, from... From where Adam's first appearance on our show, a phenomenon, we've always asked him to try to find and explore like a deeper meaning behind the context of the of these movies. So, Adam, I invite you. What is <laughs> the inner deeper meaning of furry vengeance that we we don't see? Um, I think the deeper meaning comes from uh how misguided it is. Um. What good is the forest? Oh. Uh, all the people that could, um, you know, live in those homes. I mean, look at all the homeless we have in this country. Uh, you look at, all the, look at all the forests we have. I mean, you drive through Illinois, like the whole thing is forests, but besides the farmland and Chicago and all, all the Illinois forests are like yeah. dead trees. I uh, mean, just... This country is so much unused land, and I mean, I think the animals are the people, uh, represent people who are trying to, you know, keep us in the past, and we need to move on into the future. And um, this movie really shows us how people can be so easily swayed by a pretty face, look at the sun, you know, to, to, just, to just regress and stay in the past when really we could, you know abandon those things that we may hold dear because they're pretty or you know cute animals but really we need we need to move on into the future and 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 progress and build those houses and are you saying that it that it's okay for all these little animals to disappear because <laughs> there's plenty of bears and skunks and raccoons but what if this was like a a hoot situation where it's only it's a bunch of Oh my of, god uh, this is just fucking owls. hoot isn't it Yep. Wait, what? What if it's a bunch of just floor owls or, or some sort of rare animal that would lose its home? Would you feel the same way? Well, I mean, where are they going to kill the animals? Because they had them all in cages. Well, in my version, they were. I mean, I, I, could, I could see them, you know, shipping them off to a new nice forest that's preserved somewhere. Guys, you know, I, they're destroying it all. Ken no, they're destroying Mr. Mr. this, this one destroying this, it all. this weird town that nobody's ever heard of. Like, that's right. fine, but send them to like like Yellowstone, Yosemite. You know, they'll be fine. But yeah. what's what are we gonna do then when Yellowstone's all filled up? Well, yeah, we won't fill up Yellowstone. It's too dangerous. You know, the caldera, the volcanoes, leave the animals there. Kevin so the Stone's volcano explodes. There. We lose that entire section of the country, and all of the animals are dead. What now? Plenty of raccoons, but like you said, there's uh, <laughs> there's um, 
you know, if there's a rare animal. We have zoos for that. <laughs> Guys, gentlemen, I have a hot take. I think Uh-oh. this entire movie is a metaphor for immigration. Oh. I mean, right? Oh, and they're saying, like, we, the animals are saying, F off, we're full, don't move in. Right. They're, they're, oh. They, they, you know, the raccoon is Donald Trump. <laughs> what to, is okay. this metaphor you're making? So he Try wins to keep in the all end. the immigrants out. Yeah, the, so the immigrants Stuart, are Stuart and I Donald are, are on the same side. Yeah, I I have a another a quick point on that. There's there's another Trump aspect of this movie. Uh-oh. Um, multiple times throughout the movie, Fraser watches a drill sergeant on TV uh, who like is encouraging him to get in shape. Uh, that is Billy Bush. The man who um, is the the center point of the 2016 controversy of Trump's uh, Access Hollywood tapes leaking online. Oh boy! Uh, he's the other guy in that video. So this is only t- like one or two steps removed from the Trump presidency. You saying. can you could this movie is one degree of uh, separation away from Donald Trump. <laughs> it's this movie, Billy Bush, Trump, immigration. Uh, so at any rate, the I mean. The best way to kind of describe it is the animals wreck havoc on the festival. They yes. run all the people out. Ken Jong gets eaten by a bear. No, Ken Jong <laughs> Ken Jong attempts to flee from the critters, climbs into a blow-up caterpillar, <laughs> and then uh, the bear starts driving a car and pulls the caterpillar into the woods, and we Wait never see I don't remember, Ken Jong again. I don't remember a single thing that- <laughs> That you just mentioned, <laughs> like the bear drives a, a, a car. Yeah, it drives it... like a. There's like a um, like a tractor essentially. That's pu- that's the, hooked up to the, the caterpillar. It's the park security guy. Yeah, car. that's hooked up to the the blow up caterpillar, and the bear hops in and goes <laughs> and starts the car and pulls into the woods, and the caterpillar is just sucked in. Um, and Ken Jong is just never seen or heard from again, presumably dead. Maybe this is also a metaphor for Chernobyl. Oh, because think, why are the animals this smart? Nuclear radiation. Mm. It has uh, to be. No, there's lore. There's a whole scene that establishes that for millions of years. Okay, so maybe it's deeper. This than is that. a religious film because it implies that uh, a god gave these animals a higher level of intelligence, and they have to protect what they love and their families. Okay, I got it. Brother Bear. What about no. it? It's a metaf- metaphor for the movie, Brother Bear. <laughs> it's a metaphor for another movie. <laughs> All right. They were fans, All right. and they wanted to, yeah. Last thing I want to say about this movie is when it ends, the film credits, it's like a music video. And it's all the outtakes uh, and yes. blooper reels, and they're all mouthing the words to this music, uh, to the song. To Insane in the Membrane. Yeah. Insane well, that, the membrane. that's the clear case of a movie only being... 70 minutes long and they need to make it a little bit longer and they add the funny bloopers at the end and in in the music video at the end of this implies that they had that planned from the very beginning yeah because it's every sequence in the film right includes yeah. a uh, shot for you the imagine that they're the in the middle they of filming a scene and they're like all right this shot takes us to the next location right that's what they're announcing no well wait, 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 hear me out hear me out and then they're like okay scene complete on the move wait wait wait, wait guys 
We got to we got to get the, we got to get the the, the music, music video. video we got to get the music video shot. Fuck. Okay. Uh, keep the cameras locked down. We're just going to roll on it right now. <laughs> Every the AD when they made the schedule for this movie had to include music video line for every single scene. Wallace <laughs> Shawn is in the music video. Yeah. After being in one scene of the movie. Rob Riggle's in the music video. He is. Rob Riggle probably forgot he was in this movie. <laughs> he is in the music <laughs> video. I know it doesn't really matter much, but I think it's interesting. How much do you think Brendan was paid for for Revengeance? Um, I, I find that the payment for movies like this because again it's not it's it looks cheap but it's not a cheap movie it's a 35 million dollar budget i bet brendan gets seven to eight of that oh i was gonna say three to four three you're probably right three to four three to four mil three to four considering he is probably working every day of this feature if you consider he's working every day of this feature i'm guessing three to four million and he's the only like real name in it. I mean, there's other people yeah. that we've mentioned, and Wallace Shawn's probably the other big, and Brooke Shields are probably the other big people in this. But people aren't seeing movies for Brooke Shields folks, and folks, Wallace Shawn. I am finding evidence. Did you pull it up? Fraser earned ten million dollars for this movie. Wow! Damn. Thirty, like a third of the budget, essentially. Yes. Which I know he was a big star, but that's that's hard to believe. Um, yeah, that's actually shocking to me because I guess he does sign on to this immediately after Mummy 3 and Journey to the Center of the Earth, both of which are like modest successes. They're his last like modest successes. Yeah. And so he probably was still able to command a 10 million. That's true. That's true. He hasn't quite like. And I'm sure because this is like a first collaboration between participant media and someone entertainment. Um, that they're willing to drop the money because they want to like start off on the right foot, which brings us to vengeance. the post text of this movie. Great segue. Uh, so this movie comes out April thirtieth of two thousand ten. Um, it it has a budget of thirty five million dollars. On its opening weekend, this movie makes six point five million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Summit. Uh, President Richie Fay says the audience loved it, but no one came to see it. <laughs> he does the gaudy uh, critics put out the hit defense. Did they? Uh, did the audience love it? Uh, no, <laughs> they no. decidedly did not. Um, it makes thirty in the end. It makes thirty six point five, thirty six point two million on a thirty five budget. That's one point two over its budget. And then when you take, you know, the theater's cut and all the other cuts, big flop. Big, big flop. Um, it does not get nominated for any Razzies, shockingly. That is very shocking. It gets shortlisted. Uh, Fraser does not get anything negative. Um, but uh, Shields and Ken Jong were shortlisted for the, the Razzies. This is the ninth biggest flop of 2010. <laughs> Seven percent of Rotten Tomatoes. What was the biggest flop of 2010? I'm gonna find out right now. Let's find out what the top flops of 2010 were. But I, I also kind of want to determine at what point was the fall of Brendan starting. What film was it? Was it a film? I'm looking at his filmography right now, and he's in. Uh, there's this weird middle point 
it, it uh this looney tunes back in action yes which didn't do well and then crash a year later which won best picture but he's a, a small role in it that's and then the turning point. tiny things until journey to the center of the earth and then we all know the story from there it, it, am i getting somewhere with that being the yes. beginning point looney, looney tunes it's the looney tunes crash twofer where they're his bit you know after the mummy returns those are his big two like follow-ups to his like mummy duology and Looney Tunes is an attempt to break out into a new franchise, and Crash is an attempt to be in like a serious movie. And Looney Tunes flops, and Crash um, gets a lot of notice, but not for him. Yep. And those, so that's the beginning of the end. And then his next few movies um, are very small; no one sees them. And then it's the Journey to the Center of the Earth, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor story that we've already talked about. You know what? I actually think it's that like weird clap he did at the Oscars one year. <laughs> Remember that like funny image of him or that yeah. funny video where he laughs and slaps his hands together? I think that may have done it. That was the end all for him. That's yeah. when his wife put in the divorce papers. <laughs> no, the real one was that was the Christmas video he did. Um, oh yeah, at the White House that oh, we talked about on the show. That was a while. That was, ago. So remember our Christmas episode? That was that was oh a good my time. God, Stuart, how are you? Oh. We're recording this on the 1st of May. Yeah, this episode coming out... We're recording this episode the 1st of May. This episode coming out July 7th. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, a lot's going ha- to happen in between. Yeah. Um, a lot is happening in between. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did we ever find out what the biggest flop of 2010 is? I opened the article, and it won't let me... Uh, it won't let me uh, click through it. Is it a paywall? I've. Why did I do that to myself? I closed out the page. Um, let me try. Do, let me try it again. It's the L.A. Times. and It's a 2010 article. While well, Jeff's looking that up, uh, Adam or Taylor, do you guys have any final thoughts on this movie? I think they could have found a way to playfully kill the animals. <laughs> I think it could have worked. I think they were cowardly for not, not even for trying. not going through it. Yeah. I think they could have made some political statements based off of land ownership and who's buying up land and all sorts of fun, interesting little moments for a kid's film. And I uh, rather enjoyed it. I I enjoyed this far more than Mummy 3. Mummy 3 Mm -hmm. was really, that was rough. That was really (laughs) rough. (laughs) Mummy 3 is definitely like aggravating to watch. Like Furry Vengeance was at least pretty, it was interesting and fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Adam. Um, I just imagine if this was a movie about furries seeking revenge, like Brenton Fraser was was a skinhead or something, and he like stormed a a furry event, and then <laughs> by the end of the movie, he becomes a furry. Like the 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 emotional change I mean, that I, we could have seen in a film like that. that. I would write be that down, weeping. Write that down. I would be weeping. Yeah. As the, as you know, I'm like Brenton, you. You found your way with the furries. Mm-hmm. That and I also I like um, Stuart that we sort of had the same idea with uh, you know the uh, the animals are kind of kind of regressive, kind of on the wrong side of history here. Um, A bit, yeah. Though you uh, you um, it's all about coexisting, uh, right? It's all about yeah, coexisting. You, um, 
though I'd like to see once this comes out in July, um, Trump's numbers in 2024 go up because of your comments. <laughs> Stewart is solely responsible for the resurgence. Fuck. <laughs> I wasn't there. Um, anyway, Jeff, any final thoughts? Stewart starts campaigning for Ron de Sanctimonious to apologize. Shut up. I will <laughs> never step foot in that dog shit state of Florida. I'm sorry. I feel, I feel like I, Brendan I just is like all a, of Florida. Good. <laughs> I feel like Brendan is like a, a hero of Florida. Cause again, I feel like everything, all the films that he does feels like something that would exist in the, uh, the IMAX zoo, uh, screening room where he shows up for a bit and flies around with dragonflies and small animals. Yeah. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like in a zoo no, I know or some exactly sort of, what you mean like the IMAX movies. This the the specifically IMAX movies from the two thousands. I don't know if they still do them. They probably do. You know what movie but... is a real IMAX movie from the two thousands? Uh, Journey mm-hmm. to the Center of the Earth. That movie is like it, yeah. it literally has the effect. It literally looks like one of those movies. It's crazy. Where it's big and loud, but the effects do look really bad. If you especially if you're on an IMAX screen, you're gonna see them a bit closer and they're going to be larger. I guess you just forget about it because if it's it's like a 3D movie and it looks fun. But they're yeah. like what if we put the worst like effects ever on the biggest screen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I I just have one thing to say and it's I think The Rock is an evil man that destroyed <laughs> Brendan's career faster than Brendan did himself. The Rock is an evil man. <laughs> we we've only talked about this a little bit on the show, but The Rock is is an evil man. Are you guys going to talk about, uh, what's it called, uh, Black Thunder or... Uh, uh, Black Adam? Black Adam. Black Adam. No, The Rock came into um, uh, Mummy Returns as a friend, and he left Journey as a foe. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Hierarchy of the, mar- of the Mummy Cinematic Universe <laughs> is about, about to change. change. We've talked a lot about Dwayne on this show, and I'm a little sick. I'm sick of Dwayne. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Me are. too. I'm sick of Dwayne. All right, guys. And with that, oh, Stuart, you missed it on the GI Joe episode. We talked about Dwayne Johnson ruining the Fast and Furious movies for like 20 minutes. Oh, gee, why do you? Why, I I missed it. Me? Yeah. You the co-host of the show. Yeah, you weren't there for that. Missed a conversation. Gee, I wonder how that might have happened. Who would win in a battle between Dwayne Johnson with a sword <laughs> and Vin Diesel with a gun? Who would win? Vin Diesel. Uh, Vin, Vin would beat The Rock any day of the week. The Rock only knows fake fighting. I believe Vin has killed people. Vin Diesel with a go kart, <laughs> driving a little go kart, or Vin. The Rock with uh, sock and boppers. <laughs> Vin Diesel with like, um, I'm trying. Vin Diesel with a coaster versus The Rock with a submachine gun. Vin Diesel would still like eat his breakfast. <laughs> Because the, the Rock, like, all his training's in fake fighting. Anyway. Okay, well, wrestling. what about what about Brendan versus Dwayne? Uh, I think Dwayne might win that one. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Whale-era Brendan? Whale-era Brendan would, would promptly sit upon Dwayne and <laughs> it would be over. But, like, only in the suit. Um, we got to get going on our next episode. So I'm going to quickly sign us off here for this one. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us to talk about furry vengeance. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having us. Um, audience, we hope you enjoyed. Please make sure to tune in next week for our episode on standoff. 
a movie that actually has like three different titles. We're choosing to go with Standoff as the one we're going to use. Um, and we'll talk about those multiple titles when we get to the episode. Um, but thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, please remember to rate, re- subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Podcast, Google Podcasts, and YouTube, as well as plenty of other places such as Apple Music and uh, anything that RSS distributes to. Um, pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us on Twitter or Instagram at TravoltingPod. Uh, you can email us, TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at JeffWSweeney. Anything you want to plug, Stuart? Nope. Anything you guys want to plug? Yeah, can you subscribe to my Patreon at uh, Kill the Animals at <laughs> Adam slash Campbell dot com dot <laughs> com. Um, yes, I'm there too. Uh, you find me there. Um, and then special thanks, as always, to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music, and Ange Gardner for our social media. Have a great rest of your week, folks, and see you next time for Stand Off. Mm-hmm.